You're a strong man, Brian. I am I too strong. Then shower up with Irish Spring. Ah, the double deodorant soap. The very one to get a strong man fresh. Look, and these green and white stripes are two deodorants to get a man fresh and clean. What a fine, fresh scent. That's why I use it too. Irish Spring with two deodorants. Gets a strong man fresh. Hello, divers. Welcome back yet again to the Deep Dive Podcast, where every episode we strive to find something, anything, to watch on streaming media. You've seen The Mandalorian. You've played through Queen's Gambit. You've binged The Boys. What's next? Well, that's where we come in. I'm Tom Feeney, writer for Wang's Shop Movie Magazine. And with me, as always, is my co-host, the magnificent Mandavision. It's me. I'm here. Still alive. Yes, and we're all grateful. <laughs> I can't believe we just surpassed uh, a year of the pandemic. Yeah, we just crossed Not- that amazing, uh, amazing milestone, huh? <laughs> yeah. Hey, did you get your second vaccine? Well, you know what? I was actually very fortunate because I was able to get the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. Nice. And so that's the one and done. Although I will say the first night uh, that I, that I went to sleep after I got my shot was awful. Lucid dreams. Not just that, but I had the shakes. I went the chills and it was, it was an unpleasant evening. And What's really weird about it, you said lucid dreams, right? So uh, I got my, my, my shot just right after I had seen the, um, the finale of a certain television program that uh, <laughs> gave me the weirdest, weirdest, uh, like, witchy dreams and stuff like that. So um, since we're on the topic, uh, let's, let's go to it and... And now, the Deep Dive News Break with Tom and Manda. Well, there we go. Last week saw the conclusion of the first season of WandaVision, as provided by Disney Plus. And what an ending episode it was. Oh my God. I feel as though it tied in quite a bit, but it also kind of left some questions out there, right? It did. And I also don't know if it was so much of a cliffhanger, but we do know there will be a season two. So it's going to continue. Yeah, and it's interesting. But yeah, go ahead. It was good. It was, I thought it was a fan. I thought it was really good. I think it was, I think it was really well uh, positioned, and I'm excited that they ended the way they did, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I totally get that. It's interesting that you mentioned, um, you know, season two, which was kind of funny because uh, the, you know, the head of Marvel Studios, Kevin Feige, actually said that, you know what, he is going to refrain from speaking about specific uh, like uh, seasons for these shows because he considers telling people that there's going to be a second season of something to be a spoiler in itself. Uh, because oh. you don't want to, you know, until that season is over, you know, they don't want to kind of say, hey, there's going to be a second season so that, you know, you kind of guess that, oh, this these characters are probably going to still be around. And he doesn't want to do that. So he's waiting till after each season ends to say anything, which I understand. Yeah, I mean, it kind of it lifts that veil of, uh, like, I, I guess maybe, not skepticism is the wrong word, I suppose, but it makes people more excited towards the end if there's that, like, cliffhanger or that anticipation of not knowing if this story will continue. And if this is the last bit you're going to get of it, will it be satisfying? Because there's nothing like worse than having an unsatisfied ending to something right exactly. a movie or a book or something of that nature yeah no absolutely and and i think as you said while there wasn't a specific cliffhanger uh i to me there's two main things that kind of sort of stand out as being something to um kind of watch for and of course uh the first being at the very very end wanda was reading the dark hold which is the book of black magic 
mm-hmm. and heard the voices of her now non-existent children right. calling to her, which kind of makes you think, okay, so where are they? Are they somewhere in another dimension, a parallel universe? Where is yep. that? And I think that might tie into uh, Wanda's appearance in the next Doctor Strange movie. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And that seems to be where that is going. So they 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 sort of drop that in there to say, hey, you know, this might be where her head is at. She hears their voices and has to try to go find them wherever they may be. So I think that might play a lot uh, going forward. And the second one is, okay, what happened to Vision? His, yeah. you know, his sort of created that the Wanda created version is gone, but before he sort of disappeared, he awakened the memories of the vision in the sort of what they're calling the white vision. Right. So, okay. What does that mean? Is, you know, is, does that mean that, that the white vision is now going to be the vision going forward and what's his state of mind going to be like? So I think that's another interesting uh, place where they're going to go. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of joking and laughing the episode thinking to myself, Oh, well, you know, the 3d printed version is a blank slate. (laughs) And then, and then it was like, well, he literally is. Let me give you all of my memories. Uh, And I was kind of hoping that like, because we didn't actually see him, them sort of like, I I guess, separate. I was hoping that at the end when vision kind of flew out of the, whatever it was, a museum or bank or something, that it was the other vision and that he was not going to perish once Wanda's sort of, fabricated shell around the city came down but interestingly they did they didn't do that and i think that that makes sense right because now we have this other vision wandering who knows what universe right and it is it the real vision is it not the real vision i mean yeah sometimes sometimes there are these creators that kind of get off on that really cheap way of lengthening a series by saying oh well there's a um another timeline as it were but i think with 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 um marvel and especially actually with like dc there's this idea of the multiverse right right? so there's there's the different universes within the same existence so like spider-man a from one in this city has a counterpart which is i don't know slightly different or is a different race or even could be evil let's say right i mean i think one of the episodes of Superman, he has the multiverse. He he has like a, an evil, there's like an evil um, uh, legends team. I'm yeah. not sure what you call it, but yeah. So uh, th- I think in this case, that's an exciting idea to explore. And that's obviously where the time uh, stone will come into play with Doctor Strange. And I'm, I'm hoping to see like Doctor Strange. I really hope it's a very good movie because I hope that they can explore the timeline and the, the backstory of Stephen Strange to a, to a greater extent because we only got like tiny little snippets in the Avenger movies, you know? Um, but yeah. And I was actually really pleasantly surprised at her costuming. Oh, yeah. uh, Great. I was, yeah. And I'm one of these people that just loves the details of costumes, right? Like I love seeing the different interpretations and I was just so, I was excited to see the Halloween episode when they brought back her like OG and I yeah, was like, yeah, yeah. That, that's cool and all, but it just doesn't fit. doesn't feel like, modern enough right so when when she was introduced and she had her scarlet witch outfit i was like blown away because i was like that is exactly what i was hoping to see they have the crown in place she looks to me she's now 100 percent embodied the character of scarlet witch for me definitely and they did a great job at that exactly and i think that's why they waited towards the very or the end last episode of the season to make everything come full circle and it's like there's no more doubt now we know for sure this is the scarlet witch exactly you know Exactly. And during like Ultron and stuff, we were like, oh, you know, that's Wanda. She's a Scarlet Witch. But it was never really discussed. And it was kind of one of those things where we weren't sure if they were going to explore that, that body of work. But lo and behold, they did. So I, I think it was a great episode. I think it was a great season. I had said in the beginning that I wasn't necessarily the biggest fan of, um, uh, what is her name? Elizabeth Olsen, I think her name is. Mm-hmm. Whoever, yeah, I, I wasn't the super biggest fan because I didn't enjoy her parts in the Avengers movies. But uh, this whole thing turned it around for me. I, I think that she is literally the Scarlet Witch now, and I can't see anybody else playing her. True, true, very true. And for uh, and and if you enjoyed watching 
uh, the series, there's actually um, just a couple days ago, uh, Disney Plus had has a new show called Marvel Studios Assembled, where they mm-hmm. they spend a good amount of time going through the making of uh, WandaVision, which is truly fascinating what they what they did in order to make this thing work. Uh, when they did the sitcom, uh, the, the sitcom scenes, right? Um, they mm-hmm. actually had a live studio audience for those shots. And it was pretty cool because even the live audience was dressed in period costume, mm-hmm. which is amazing. That's awesome. They went through all that kind of detail just to, just to make it feel accurate. That's like going to one of those medieval jousting dinners. Yes, where everyone. <laughs> I'm sure it yeah. smells better, but because uh, <laughs> I've been to those and ooh, huzzah! Uh, yeah, well, the whole idea of eating your dinner roast chicken in front of a horse that's like pooping in the middle of the arena—not ideal. But that's true to the experience of the 15th century. I think I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, so, <laughs> so is dysentery. Thank you. Um, but, uh, not interested in that. So, yeah. I, all in all, great wrap up for the show. And yeah. uh, looking forward, right? Looking forward in a, in a short time to uh, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which should mm-hmm. be fun as well. So yeah, so yeah, Marvel's uh, hitting all cylinders, and, and I'm glad they're able to do you know this kind of thing now, sort of between because we have we've been waiting a long time for the next Marvel movie because of you know, the mm-hmm. pandemic and all that. But once the well, I think the the true winners really are Disney. I mean, they're on a roll with all of their Star Wars projects. Uh, the huge success of the Mandalorian and WandaVision. It's like uh, they've just cornered the streaming market. And to be honest, I didn't know if that was going to be the way that they would, when they first launched, I think we, you and I actually had a conversation about it. Yeah. We weren't sure that how this was going to go and how they were going to stay relevant because in our minds, it was just going to be a catalog of all the old classic Disney movies, which on itself, if it wasn't seven or eight bucks a month, would be kind of cool, right? Mm-hmm. It, it kind of replaced that whole Disney vault thing. Right. But now they are so far into the game that they are they are just competitors. I think that they're beating Netflix out of the water. I think they're beating Netflix and maybe even Hulu. Um, and I think their direct competitors are like the streaming services that are offering uh, in-the-moment movies, HBO Now, Stars, etc. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's this huge uh, battle now, the, the, the streaming wars. Are going on. Yeah. We just got Paramount Plus that just started, which kind of yeah. took over from CBS All Access, which I don't think was that terribly successful. Yeah, um, but they're moving. You know, they're moving a lot of properties onto the Paramount Plus and announcing a ton of new shows. So this is a uh, you know this is huge. They're spending a ton of money on original content now, which only benefits the viewer. Which right, you know, no complaints here. It's kind of. Uh, a sort of consolidated effort too, because a lot of times we're looking, you know, movies and whatnot have, I don't know, huge marketing deals and, you know, they have all this build up to when they're coming out in theaters and whatnot, but this is strictly, you pay eight bucks and you get to watch this movie and binge it whenever you want to. I think the only gripe I have truly is that I can't binge things. <laughs> like they, you have to wait uh, each week. And some people yes. would argue that the anticipation is, is great for me. It just annoys me. <laughs> I, I can see both sides of that story. I can see both yeah. sides. And that's okay. All right. So cover your ears, people. This has been the Deep Dive News Break with Tom and Amanda. You can tell we're getting so that, good right? at that. I, yeah, I just, we're getting so good at it. <laughs> I know. I know. It just, uh, it's way too much fun. <laughs> Way too much fun for me. But now on to our topic for this episode. So it is our annual St. Patrick's Day show. Yay! Applause, applause. Now, full disclosure here. If you hear like odd noises in the background, um, I did have corned beef and cabbage today. So (laughs) I'm just putting that out there, literally. And uh, yeah. So now we we've done Irish movies. We did that last year. Remember, we did uh, mm-hmm. Irish movies. So you know, uh, this time we're we're focusing on one of the most important elements of the holiday. And no, it's not uncontrollable alcohol feud rage. 
Nope. Uh, something much simpler, which is the color green. Or sage or emerald, yes. olive, yeah, and chartreuse. It's, right. And it's the common, it's a common symbol of St. Patty's Day. And, and, it, and it's not, right. it's not my personal favorite color. I'll be honest with you. Uh, which, but you're uh, Irish. I am, but you know, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm all about the cobalt blue. And that's Ooh. just my thing. You know, I'm not going to apologize for it. But green, <laughs> green has a great meaning to my people. Uh, it does. And I am, after all, 71% Irish, um, which thank you, Ancestry.com, for that. That was good <laughs> to know. And, hashtag sponsor. Yeah, please, hashtag sponsor us. We would, I would, uh, I would really enjoy that. We all would. We want that green, that other kind of green anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, 71%, uh, 71% Irish. The rest, um, I, I believe, is trans fats. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, so there you go. Or starch in your case. Starch, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much very, very starchy. Yeah. Uh, so uh, are, you, uh, are you a fan of the, uh, the color green? Well, here's the thing. I like teal. I think teal is my favorite color. And I would, I would sort of, I would go out there and I would say maybe, maybe a sea foam green is my, one of my favorite colors. But according to the index of color thoughts, right? So the idea that we can put emotions and thoughts to colors, green associated with happiness, jubilation, uh, and funnily enough, security. Which I think during the potato famine, I don't think many Irish people could say that they felt secure. But that's just me. True, true. Even even <laughs> today, the words potato famine, uh, you know, bring up anger. It's haunting. It is. It's haunting. It is. It's I know. Just, it's a trigger. It's a trigger phrase. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of times things are, are symbolized, like, like the environment, right? Or anything like ecological in nature is all green. And when you see things like that are green, you automatically assume that this is a land of fertility, right? Like everything is good. I don't know. I you I can't see myself saying the same thing about pink or orange. It's just something about green. Yeah, that makes sense. I totally get that. I totally get that. Yeah. So now what was your uh your first pick of the day? All right. My first pick is it's one of those ones where I just happened to find this um, a few days ago, and I wrote down the title, and then I forgot at all what I was doing. So I texted you earlier saying, hey, remind me of uh, what we're doing for the show today. <laughs> uh, you sent me a green heart emoji, and then it, it clicked. Oh, yeah, that makes sense why I have this note. But anyways, my first film is the 1968, uh, I guess, horror film, The Green Slime. Wait, now, what? It is. Are you serious? Yeah. Why? Yeah. The 21st century. The world of the future. <laughs> and lurking beyond the cold, strange immensity of conquered space. <laughs> growing and spreading beyond the warped imagination of the greatest human intellect. Exploding in unspeakable horror. The Green Slime. The civilized world at war with alien form, whose slimy touch means instant, horrible death. Invaders from beyond the stars. The Green Slime. Uh-huh. So I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that maybe you had chosen this film? Oh, maybe. As well? Maybe. Listeners, listeners, this has only happened one other time, or maybe, maybe twice, but I think only one other time where we have actually picked the same movie. Because and that's whole, insane. Because it, this is not this isn't this is not a you know well known movie. Right. Well, yeah. And here's the thing: I've seen this before. I've seen clip uh, clips on YouTube, and I because it was during like this. Um, I don't know. I think I was looking for like a uh, 1960s horror film for probably one of our Halloween episodes. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, that's just stupid. Um, but <laughs> then I actually, I found it. Like you can, you can actually watch this right now on Amazon. Um, uh, I think it's like a two bucks or something you can rent it for. And I was like, this is like the most silliness ever. But fun fact. This was written by Bill Finger. And speaking of just talking about DC and Marvel, he was one of the co-creators of Batman. Yeah, that's true. With Bob Kane. Yep. 
which is uh, kind of funny to me. I didn't realize that that, okay, maybe this is just my millennialist talking, but I didn't realize that Batman was like that old. But yes, Batman was developed like in the 40s and in the 50s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, craziness. But uh, so I think I'll just, a, a brief little um, synopsis of this movie, right, is uh, we're far into the future. And there's a group of astronauts, well, I guess scientists, who say, hey, there's an asteroid coming and it's going to collide with Earth, which is basically the, the, the trope for every science fiction movie that deals with space. Yeah. Uh, and thank you, Bruce Willis. And um, we got to destroy it. So our idea, being that we're humans, is blow stuff up. <laughs> we're going to go and put these chargers on an asteroid and blow it up. What could go wrong? Well, yeah, exactly. The The thing is, those explosive charges actually, well, they, they get rid of the asteroid, but it releases this weird, slimy, like, substance, right? And much like you would think, unbeknownst to them, it creeps into the, the man's, you know, astronaut spacesuit, and he quickly becomes, like, a tentacly, like, monster, like, electric monster, maybe? Yeah, yeah. with one and, eye. With one eye, exactly. It's always these like like squid-looking things with one eye. People, I'm here to tell you right now that squid and octopi, they have two eyes, okay? You're misrepresenting them. But that aside, <laughs> they, they try to destroy it however they can. And, of course, it's the future, right? So yeah. we have space lasers. Not Jewish ones, but just regular oh, space lasers. Oh, good call there. <laughs> hey. But it turns out this monster thing, which, you know, secretes electricity, it actually like feeds off the lasers. What are you going to do? So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Also, there's this whole weird thing, too, where, like, the doctor, the female doctor loves one guy, but, like, maybe likes the other, and then the other guy likes her and is upset with the other guy. It's like, it's a weird 60s love triangle. Yeah, you know, and it uh, <laughs> these these creatures, right? Um, they're, they're really bad. They're really bad. I mean, even for like the late sixties, cause you, if you figure, you know, around the same time audiences were, what were watching, you know, like 2001, a space odyssey, which was like uh, yeah. unbelievable special effects. Meanwhile, these creatures look like Muno from Yo Gabba Gabba. Uh, and, <laughs> you know, and they're about as threatening as a baby hedgehog wearing a little Easter bonnet. They're, I mean, they're not that scary to me. I don't know. I mean, they remind me of those wacky wallies. You remember wacky wallies? You know what the, You remember those? Are those like the precursor to the the you know the guys who wave their arms around in the air at a car dealership? Not exactly. It's those little uh, those little like uh, silicone little squids that you throw against a, a window and they start crawling down. Oh, oh yeah. Okay, yeah, that's weird. Yeah, that's what they. It's weird. They they kind of remind me of that, and that's. Um, what really, though, what really bugged me about these creatures, right, is the the noise that they make because mm -hmm. they sound, they make this terrible, terrible sound. It's like um, like dolphins on cocaine. And I'll, I'll just, here's an example. Oh, oh. Yeah, see what I mean? It's awful. Yeah, I should also mentioned this was filmed in japan yes. and japan that gave us like godzilla uh and it was like imagine godzilla but like creatures from i don't know this weird sea slash space creature yeah it's interesting because the, the the movie was a co-production american and japanese it was um uh, it was uh, mgm uh that worked with um the japanese movie studio toei uh, mm -hmm. And they have that that you know the, there was Toho who had Godzilla, and then there was kind of the the other company Toei who did like some really weird movies. They did uh, they had movies like uh, Fear of the Snake Woman, uh, Horrors of Malformed Men, uh, and they did <laughs> probably one of the most notorious Star Wars ripoffs ever, which was a 1978 film called Message from Space. And uh, so nice. what they did was uh, they had a Japanese director, Japanese crew, and American actors or Caucasian actors. And that was kind of, that's what made this movie so weird because it had like, it was so disjointed and had a weird feel to it. And I couldn't, you know, you can't quite, 
put your finger on what's going on here because it's just such a weird uh, a weird movie because it, it feels like almost like a 50s-style monster movie, but it takes itself so seriously. Uh, like it's a drama movie, too. Yeah, it's a drama movie. And I'm like, what is going on here? And I realized, after looking into it, that there's like two wildly different versions. One that was released in America, the other one that was released in Japan. In fact, the one that was released in Japan is like 15 minutes like shorter. <laughs> uh, and it says, yeah, it's it's so strange. But um, all right, I'm going to ask you and see if you agree with me on this one. What was your favorite part of the movie that did not have to do with the story? Uh, that did not have to do with the story? Right. You mean like just ambient effects or something? I'm thinking more of the actual sound. Well, it definitely wasn't the like hyper dolphin thing that you just played because that actually hurt my ears. No, no, what I'm talking about is it has the funkiest theme song ever. Oh, okay, yeah, okay, and, okay. So, and, go ahead. It's I was just gonna say like this is a burgeoning on like the '70s. Like yes. it's just it, it it just happened before like the major I think funk disco sort of 70s time and right, if this right. was definitely a precursor to it it is so like plainly obvious it is it is really really <laughs> and i'm gonna i'm gonna play a little bit for for everybody because this is like uh, for a, a like a 50 style monster movie this is one of the most psychedelic songs i've ever heard for this kind of thing so so you know this is interesting <laughs> oh yeah Jimi Hendrix is going to pop out of an alien. Exactly. To find the answer is to keep it. You believe it when you find something screaming across your mind. I mean, really? I just didn't know if this was supposed to be like a funny movie. It's, were they making fun of themselves? I don't know what the, I, I guess. I don't think they knew what they had, and they just were trying to do all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, but interesting, the guy that did that song was responsible for some really uh, terrific TV theme songs in the seventies, including the original Wonder Woman show. Uh, yeah, I can Happy see that. Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley. Uh, so yeah, it's some crazy stuff. And um, another interesting thing is the the director. Uh, his his name was Kinji Fukusaku, and mm -hmm. he had a really long career as a filmmaker in Japan. But his last film that he directed before he passed away was Battle Royale. Oh, which is the you know the kids versus kids, yeah, all dumped in, in on this island and given each given a that, weapon and they have to kill each other. Oh, that movie it legitimately haunted me. And what the first time I saw it, yeah, and like, I was like, remember the soup scene? Oh my Ooh. god. And it was like, this guy directed that too? What? Uh, so, yeah, that surprised me completely. So, yeah, I was uh, blown away when I found that out. But because this is such a weird little, a weird little monster movie that it's just so strange. It's it's fun. It's, it's, it's so yeah. bad. It's good. But exactly. Dang. And it also was but the very first film uh, lampooned by Mystery Science Theater 3000. Yes, yes. Oh, my gosh. I was just thinking, too, like, there's really no direction for it, is there? It's 90 minutes of, like, you're not sure if this is, like, about the Kraken or if this is really, like, some sort of space age movie. And then, of course, you get the downtown funk loan in there. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> all right. Yeah. It's an experience. Put it this way. And if you, too, want to experience it, funnily enough, you can, like I said, rent it on Amazon. It's also available on Vudu, I believe, or you could buy it. Um, there's also clips on YouTube. I don't know if they've released, if someone has, you know, generously uploaded the whole thing. But I there's think definitely they have, a few clips. Yeah. I think they have. Oh, have they? Yeah. Nice. So you can watch yeah, it for free if you if you really have to. But I mean, we're not encouraging that, but I mean, like, it's there. Yeah, but it's, it's definitely. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah. I mean, it's bad, but, yeah. but it's good. It's, it's. It's not like one of the best bad movies that become really good, but it's it's up there. I mean, who doesn't love gamma rays and monsters and completely just out of place music? Yeah, and if you don't, you're not a good person. 
going to say that right now. Just flat out, you're not a good person. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. Sorry. Sorry, I have to I have to be that way. Okay, but that's so weird that we both picked the same one. I mean, that literally hasn't happened in since maybe the first or yeah. second episode, I think. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. And, and especially for something like this, it's it's pretty funny, I got to say. It's I mean, pretty- yeah, if new listeners don't know, part of the, the sort of stick of our show here is that we don't tell each other what we're going to research. And we kind of just reveal it to each other and the audience uh, real time. So, you know, we can kind of get how the reactions, basically. So this is kind of funny. And it's it's one of those things, too, where, like, you just can't prepare. So let's just roll with it. Yeah, yeah. That's part of the fun. Yeah. Well, I guess I'll um, – do you want to go with your second choice? Sure. Why not? I'll go with my second choice. And If you uh, pick my second choice, I swear. Yeah, that's just going to be weird. <laughs> I don't like that idea. Uh, okay. I'll go with, I'll go with my actual, what would have been my first pick, but it's now my second pick because there was a pick that was already picked. (laughs) I can't say that again. I can't repeat that. Uh, so when I was a kid, like many of my peers, I was way into comic books. Uh, Mm. now while my friends were debating, which was better Marvel or DC, I actually read both with equal interest. I didn't really have a, you know, one versus the other mentality. Uh, one Mm -hmm. of my favorites though, was about a certain green-colored, verbally-challenged behemoth with anger management issues. Could Uh, you be referring to the Hulk? I am referring to the Hulk. Now, before the more recent movie incarnations of the Jade Giant, there was a somewhat less faithful but still terrific adaptation. So my first pick is the Incredible Hulk TV series from the 1970s, and the 80s. Dr. David Banner, physician, scientist, searching for a way to tap into the hidden strengths that all humans have. Then an accidental overdose of gamma radiation alters his body chemistry. And now when David Banner grows angry or outraged, a startling metamorphosis occurs. Creature is driven by rage and pursued by an investigative reporter. Mr. McGee, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. David Banner is believed to be dead, and he must let the world think that he is dead until he can find a way to control the raging spirit that dwells within him. Oh, that brings back memories. Wow, that was really epic. Just oh, the, the music behind it. Such a great, great opening. Ugh. So now this show ran on CBS from 1977 to 1982 and starred Bill Bixby as Dr. David Banner. Now, not Bruce, David. Now, according to the uh, late, great Stan Lee, the producers didn't want to use the name Bruce because they thought it sounded too gayish. I know. (laughs) Are you serious? I'm serious. Yeah. That was, you know, I mean, there's different accounts for that, but that's what Stan Lee thought. Um, so anyway, the TV version of the Hulk owes as much to a certain classic piece of French literature as it does the comic books. The show's creator, Kenneth Johnson, took inspiration from Victor Hugo's novel, Les Miserables. So the, oh. the basic elements are there. So the scientist experiments on himself. There's an accident. He becomes a monstrous creature of unchecked anger and unbelievable strength, but with the mind of a child. But the whole thing about it, he's on the run. So in the series, Dr. Banner is believed to have been killed in a lab explosion. He believes it was caused by his alter ego, so he becomes a fugitive, constantly on the run, while desperately trying to find a cure for himself. So, essentially, it's the fugitive with a hint of mint. Uh, (laughs) So the show ran for 80 episodes over five seasons, mostly, and it was mostly successful due to the grounded performance by Bixby and the great Lou Ferrigno as the big green guy. And they got nice. a lot of mileage out of the concept. So Dr. Banner was the victim of the everywhere I go, trouble finds me trope. You know, wherever he went, people wanted to beat him up. Then he'd hulk out and beat them up. So, you know, that was like every single week for this poor guy. Uh, now, for me, it was a very interesting take on the characters. I remember watching it as a kid and being frustrated that it wasn't closer to the comics, but the show succeeded pretty much on its own merits. I mean, it took 
an absurd premise and you know it took it very seriously and just kind of went with it uh so yeah it was um pretty amazing to me as a kid to just to experience this now uh the first a after the show was canceled there were three tv movies uh that were produced that continued the storyline now the first two featured watered down versions of marvel characters thor and daredevil which is the first <laughs> time either one of them appeared in live action on television uh, the final TV movie was called The Death of the Incredible Hulk, and it featured just that. Uh, at the end, you know, the Hulk it falls from a very great height off a, off a plane and dies. Uh, oh, geez. Yeah. And now they actually were going to have plans to continue. They, they, it was a plan for Revenge of the Incredible Hulk and all that. But sadly, actor Bill Bixby died from prostate cancer at the age of 59 not long after, um, which mm -hmm. is, is very sad. Now, the Hulk himself, played by Lou Ferrigno, is actually still going strong. He's had a long career as an actor and also as an advocate for physical fitness, obviously, you know. And is he still alive? He's still alive. He's uh I believe he is 69 years old. Oh. And he actually voiced the Hulk in the first two Avengers films for Marvel. No way. Yeah, he actually provided the voice, which I thought was really really cool. So he still, you know, and he's uh, actually he was on the show, he was uh, a frequent guest on the show King of Queens. Uh, okay. as as their neighbor, who was Lou Ferrigno, <laughs> he was playing himself. And he was the uh, the butt of a lot of Hulk jokes during the during the show, which was kind of funny. But um, <laughs> yeah, so the Incredible Hulk TV series from the 70s and 80s was my pick. Uh, now, as far as the series, the entire series goes, it gets 7 out of 10 on the Internet Movie Database, which is pretty good. And a smack down the middle, 50% uh, on Rotten Tomatoes. Oh, okay. So not bad, not bad. So and uh, basically, you can you can find it uh, on Hulu. The entire series is available uh, to watch. And so you know, it's um, I would recommend like the first few seasons. Those were, I think were the best, uh, mm -hmm. and they had some really interesting situations to put uh, poor Doctor Banner into. There's one that I remember very well where um, he's on. He has to take a He's been hesitant to do this, but he has to take a commercial like jet to get from one place to the other. And of course, something happens and there's like a hijacking. And he knows he knows full well that if he changes into the Hulk in that plane, everybody's going to die because he's just going to wreck it while it's in right. flight. So it's like this whole situation where he's there's all this stress and everything and he's got to try to maintain. Otherwise, he knows he's going to kill everybody by mistake. So it was, I mean, they had like all these really cool situations like that that they put him in. So, uh, yeah, it was a great show. Like, will he, won't he? Is yeah. he going to, you know, keep a Hulk at bay? Right. While, while all this is going on around him, can he keep his cool, keep control and not Hulk <laughs> out, you know? And, uh, and they did all kinds of weird things like that. It was great because I, there was another episode where he found himself exposed to radiation from a, a, a meteor and he, he started, the radiation started him changing, but he stopped halfway and was stuck <laughs> halfway between Banner and the Hulk. So he was kind of like, he had some intelligence, some strength, but neither was really dominant. And it was just so weird. It was just, he was just stuck. And it was, it was just strange, but it was very cool. Similar to the last Avengers appearance of Bruce Banner, where he's just Hulk all the time now. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they never went that. They never actually got around to having him yeah. in the series be the Hulk with Banner's intellect or anything like that. But they they came close. So yeah, they they really milked that premise for all it was worth. So it was pretty cool. <laughs> well, good for Lou Ferrigno. He's he's kind of known oh, for yeah. that. And yeah, so that's interesting. Good pick. Thank you. All right. So what's uh, next? Funny, well, it's funny that you bring up a uh, childhood here because I definitely. I brought up from, or this is my second pick, is, is super from my childhood. Um, so it's the little green guy called Gumby. I don't know if you ever Gumby. watched Gumby. <laughs> but Gumby. he's a, it, it's such a cute show. But for those who don't know, it's an American uh, children's television show. It's basically stop motion and one of the first at it, I should say, um, where it's this little clay globule green guy um, who is sort of like a human, but like really not. 
uh, along with his friend Pokey, who is a, a clay horse, Aww. go on adventures. Yeah, and they just they just explore things. It's like a Mr. Rogers was a like, little bit of an older generation um, kind of thing. Um, but it turns out the version that I was watching in the early 80s was the revival of it. And it actually uh, premiered in 1953 uh, until 1969 when it was canceled and then brought back in 1982. So there's not much to say. It doesn't, it doesn't have like a major backstory. It doesn't have all of these these incredible storylines but what it does have is just long lasting like i guess cult worship um it's still going strong there are games made out of gumby there's new tv shows and new movies being made um you know it's it's funny because i remember like specific things from our childhood and one of the things i remember is there was an episode of gumby and he has a friend who's a like a whale slash mermaid kind of thing and her name is goo (laughs) and like like there's just these things that I remember. Oh, and Gumby's voice was just really, really funny. Um, but he was created by Art Clockley or Cloakley. Cloakley. Um, Cloakley. Okay, yep, yeah. Cloakie. And so he he was one of the like super pioneers of stop motion clay animation, like way before Tim Burton and Nightmare Before Christmas, which we think of as being, you know, sort of like standard industry standard these days. This was like we're talking like late. 40s, early 50s, and for those who don't know, of course, stop motion is the sequence of moving objects very, very minimally and then taking a shot and then putting all those shots together to form one longer uh, sort of shot. So there's, you know, giving movement to inanimate objects Mm -hmm. such as clay. Uh, But yeah, he was like super famous uh, for that. Um, In fact, now that I'm thinking about it too, is that Gumby was so prevalent i think in like the late 80s and early 90s that i remember didn't didn't eddie murphy parody gumby yes, he did he did a character on he snl did gumby. yeah yeah on snl and i remember thinking like this is the weirdest thing and i of course didn't think it was funny because i was too young but like yeah it's it's crazy now thinking about it that you that something that was just so innocent and and you know for children and childlike has uh superseded time as it were now, if you're interested in watching it, watch Why Wouldn't You Be, mm. you can see almost the entirety of the original uh, series and the revival series on uh, Tubi, which I love. I know we've talked about before. I love the Tubi Oh, yeah, app. me too. They have so many cool things on it, but uh, including Voodoo, uh, Hoopla, uh, Amazon Prime is where I watched it recently. Also, if you have Roku, mm. uh, which I don't have, but I've heard it's on there, and this new one called Pluto TV. Oh, yes, I love Pluto TV. Yeah, I just discovered it now while researching for this, but it was, it's, yeah, it's not bad. You can also buy them fairly inexpensively. I think it's $10 for, a season, for like two seasons or, or whatnot, but that's also like 50 to 60 episodes. So um, it, it's, it's really worth a shot if you want some nostalgia. And I think one of the best things about this is that it's rated super high, too. Like, it's got a 7 out of 10 on IMDb across like 1,400 uh, votes. Uh, and Metacritic gives it like a, I think it was a 68%. So yeah, people, I think people really enjoyed it for its numerous amount of clay characters. Yeah, and, absolutely. you know, like, there are some of those things that you remember. Like, do you remember there was like that potato looking guy with like the white wig? Oh, I think And he so, was always, yeah, yeah like, Freaky. I just love Gumby. I love Gumby. And you know, like but, the song, oh, go ahead. You know, no, no, I was going to say, but that's just, that's, I can't talk enough about it. Yeah, like the song says, if you've got a heart, then Gumby's a part. <laughs> of you now interestingly um, interestingly enough and this is kind of a fun thing uh the the guy that created gumby art cloakie actually went on to do to create davy and goliath which is the oh. ultra christian uh stop motion show that was the inspiration for adult swims moral oral uh i love moral oral yeah and so davy and goliath was about a, a kid and his talking dog uh, and they would, and you know, they would find out, you know, just how much they were loved by Jesus uh, every episode, which was great. And the rumor at the time, and I don't think, I, I think this has been proven to not be true, but the rumor at the time was that the reason Art Cloakey did Davy and Goliath was because it was community service uh, because of something bad he did. <laughs> really? Yeah, and I could, I couldn't possibly imagine what what could he have done. What could Art Cloakey have done that was so bad that he had to do community service? But anyway, that was the rumor at the time. But 
Davy and Goliath is also a classic. Yeah, I have not. I've not seen that, but I definitely love more oral. Oh, I and love. Yeah, I love based, more oral. Directly based on Davy and Goliath. I mean, it's so funny. Even the character designs uh, are the same. Oh man, that's funny. That is funny. You know, something Gumby reminds me of all the old shows I used to watch as a kid, and then you know, coming from the late eight. Well, I guess it progressed into the late eighties, and then you have things like early nineties shows, like like. Um, you know, closer than the castle and like, again, a bunch of stuff. I recently was writing a paper on uh, what we're calling American cultural royal- royalty from one of my classes. And I picked uh, Mr. Rogers oh, because yeah. he's, he's like one of these people that if we had any sort of like long steeped monarchy, he would be definitely the king of children's television. Oh, easily. I think, yeah. And I think shows like, like, Gumby and uh, even maybe even like Muppet Babies later on became like these these I don't know they're just they're intertwined with like that late '80s early '90s uh, boom of children's television. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there was a time when children's television got started that it was you know it was completely uh, degraded by uh, by parents and teachers and things like that. With the exception of like, you know, uh, Sesame Street and the Electric Company and all that that were on PBS. Mm-hmm. And then they, they, they put all these restrictions that you couldn't have any violence. Every you know, the good guys had to win and you, know, you couldn't have bad behavior. And kind of towards, you know, the, 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 70, the late 70s, they had completely castrated children's television to the point mm-hmm. where it was, you know, had no meaning to it. And then in the 80s, they, uh, they lifted a lot of those restrictions. And then all of a sudden, every cartoon was a toy commercial. Uh, so uh, yeah, uh, that's kind of just the way it went. So yeah, and I think yeah, I, I think we could probably do an entire episode on children's television. Um, oh yeah, you know. But yeah, anyways, that was my second pick. Nice. I've got a couple of honorable mentions. Oh, cool. Go ahead. Yep. So first is probably obvious, but Gardens of the Galaxy. Gamora is there. She's one of my favorite characters. There you go. Um, Inside Out, Pixar film. Envy is green. Ah. I think that's hilarious. And then I was thinking, what about those like old black and white films that don't know what color it is, but they just you imagine what color they would be. So I was thinking, Creature from the Black Lagoon. You know how the like the the titular sort of image is of like this green creature, but of course the movie's in black and white. Same thing with like Bride of Frankenstein. Frankenstein's always oh, yeah. like like presented as being this weird green color but of course it's a black and white film so it's interesting what your mind does and allows you to believe is accurate right yeah in a black and white film which i love but it's interesting you know why frankenstein's monster was green uh for those black and white movies no because green was the best color that showed up in in the black and white when they did the tests for makeup oh that's and it's the same thing. If you know to, if you, if you watch the um, the making of Wandavision during the black and white uh, sitcom scenes, when they show you the making of that, Vision is blue because the real the coloring, his actual coloring, looked terrible in black and white. Huh? Yeah. So it 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 all depends. That's the reason why Frankenstein's monster was green because that's what looked best to the black and white film. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, it's just weird. It's one of those weird little things that, you know, you don't know why until it's like, oh, yeah, okay. But, you know. <laughs> All right. But yeah, so this cool. is a good episode. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. Uh, you know, very, you know, I, we're not green anymore, but I think, uh, you know, I think we, we've got it down. So that's pretty good. <laughs> All right. So we're going to wrap it up and let's talk about the next dive. So it Ooh. may be the most highly anticipated movie to not come to a theater near you. I'm talking about the so-called Snyder Cut of Justice League that arrives <laughs> on HBO Max on March 18th. Now, there was another live-action Justice League movie seen by millions of people that you've probably never heard of. And that is next week on the Deep Dive Microcast. Ooh. Yes. Now, I've always wondered, what would happen if you went to the hair salon and asked for the Snyder Cut? <laughs> that would be very interesting. I don't, know. Uh, I don't know if we want to find out. Yeah, but 
If you want to find out more about this show and where to find past episodes and all that fun stuff, where can people go, Amanda? Well, if they are so intriguing, I really hope that they are, they can head to our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com, where we currently have a complete lexicon of all the stupid things we've said, yeah, including yeah. all of our old episodes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we've also got links to our socials, our Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, that kind of thing. We've got our email address in there. So if you want to drop us a line for some suggestions of the show, we would love that. We've also got a merch store, which I don't want to brag, but our t-shirts are pretty comfortable oh, yeah. as far as t-shirts go. Oh, yeah. They're awesome. Yeah. They're very t-shirty. <laughs> Now, so and and coming up, and I, I you know I, I know this is I know this is a little early, but uh, coming very soon, uh, we are going to start our own uh, OnlyFans uh, site. And uh, what? Oh, I'm sorry, you didn't. I didn't. You didn't get that. No, I didn't say no, that. That was a memo I did not receive. Oh, yeah. So, um, I mean, you know, whatever you whatever you need to get ready for that, uh, you know, we'll. We'll make sure that you you know that you're that you're taken care of as far as that goes. But yeah, yeah, yeah. It should be fun. It should be uh, it should be very um, interesting, you know. And if yeah. you think that's real, then you're <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's not happening anytime soon. Uh, nope. <laughs> so now we want to thank all of you. The feedback we get makes us better, or at least not worse. Uh, that's what we strive for: not to be worse. I know, yeah, I know, I know. So send us those suggestions. Please send us the ideas. Uh, and, you know, we're just here having a good time and we just love it when we hear from you and we want you to have as much fun as we have, if not more, if that's possible. <laughs> All right. So for the Amazing Man Division and myself, Tom Feeney, stay safe, wear a mask, get vaccinated when you can, and just please stop picking at that sore. It'll never heal. Ew, what? Yeah. All, right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next time. See ya. Bye. Bye. You can find links to our Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram feeds on our website, thedeepdivepodcast.com. If you like us, please subscribe. All clips are intended for educational use only and not to infringe on existing copyrights. Our theme music was produced by Ryan Blaney and EchoCraft. Thanks for listening. Podcast is a production of Automaton Media. <laughs>